All right, I want to talk to you about seasons. Christmas is coming. Some of you know in my house, Christmas has hardly gone before it's coming. We move on quickly. I was talking to someone a little while ago that had spent some time um, overseas and from this country, and we said, well, what, what did you miss? And they, they said, well, we miss the seasons. I thought, it must be lovely just to live in sort of permanent warmth. No, we miss the seasons. And I want to talk to you a little bit about seasons. And uh, those of you of a more mature age will remember that in this particular season was the season of Harvest Festival. Now, without giving away your age, if you can remember harvest festivals at school or... Just, just show me for a moment. Yes. Oh, more than I expected. Uh, oh, you still do it? Really? Well, there you are. <clears throat> Good to know that some places retain bygone traditions... Toothpaste and soap, right, okay. I kind of felt it lost its feel. Instead of bringing in things from the harvest, when you were bringing in tins of processed peas and... <clears throat> I mean, pumpkins and things were completely ridiculous, but it, it kind of had the feel of the thing a bit more than uh, Sainsbury's value peas or Tesco's processed whatever. Harvest festival. But... Here's the point. Uh, the whole issue of that, the whole idea of that, for those of you not aware of it, was that you were celebrating the season by actually giving something of what you had received, kind of in the harvest. That was the idea of it. And uh, that you were, you were, if you like, sacrificing, giving something that you'd got that was appropriate to that season. And that's what I want us to look at today. I want us to look at what could you give, what could you sacrifice which is appropriate to the season, which fits in to the season. And uh, we know, for us corporately, whatever the season, God has spoken to us that uh, for us it's springtime. And we've seen it happen, all sorts of things uh, opportunities, connections, new things springing forth. That's an exciting thing. Uh, I'd rather be in that season than, you know, the season of, I suppose, what we are in. Everything's dying back and, you know, the days are getting shorter and the weather's getting colder. Actually, I'm feeling quite miserable the more I talk about it, you know. <laughs> Except for Christmas is coming. Dear Lord. Changing seasons, different seasons. And as we go through, if you want to join in this, I'm going to be asking you, what season would you identify with now for you? What season are you in? Uh, we come to how we're going to deal with it in a bit, but if you want to join in, it would be, you would be saying, Lord, show me what season, what is it is you're doing? Because for sure... Let me just say this, remember this, that God has a purpose for you, all right? You're not just an added on. Uh, he gave his one and only son for you. He has a, a defined purpose for you. 
you're not just happening. It's, it's not other people that have a purpose, and you're just kind of there to kind of make up the weight, as it were. Basically, God's purpose. And understanding that, um, being even externally, you know, if, you're, if it's winter and you're dressed for summer, you're kind of a little bit out of uh, kilter. Um, you have to be um, taking the right positioning consistent with the season. And uh, I want you to take this on and seek to respond uh, because all the seasons come from him. And uh, you say, well, so what can we do about it? Well, in the seasons of our life, we can do this. We can resist it, complain against it, um, declare the unfairness of it or whatever, or we can say, Lord, here I am, wanting to learn, receive, be adjusted by what you have decided for me in this particular season. course we do that as we submit to him let me just uh, share a scripture with you this is Colossians chapter 2 just reading from verse 6 so then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord how did you receive Christ Jesus as Lord by faith yeah not by what you did not by uh, any actions not because you earned it, but by faith. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Then it goes on to explain that a little bit. Rooted and built up in him. So rooted, then built up. Strengthened in the faith, as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Key there. Very, very important key there. Overflowing with thankfulness. That's how we access the purpose and the goodness of God in whatever season we are, uh, overflowing with thankfulness. Not, thank you, Lord, for all this trouble. Not, thank you, Lord, for all this pain. Not, thank you, Lord, for all this disappointment. That's just ridiculous. Uh, That's just nonsense. But thank you, Lord, that in this and through this, You are working out something in me. You're developing something. I might not understand it. I might not like the process. But I receive and I give you thanks because your hand is upon me and you're taking me into the next stage of development in you, becoming more like you. Overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. What, what does that mean? It means don't be taken up with um, things like uh, there, 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 dear, it really doesn't matter, it'll all be better in the morning, or... Uh, time's a great healer, or let's look on the bright side of life, the kind of vain philosophies 
which might sound nice, but frankly don't actually work uh, anything beyond a superficiality. So we want to be a people who are not only accepting what he has for us in a season, um, praising him in the season, better than complaining or whinging. Um, when we looked at James chapter 1, uh, we looked deeply into that, that whole thing of considering it. How do you consider it, Joy, when you encounter various tribulations? And then we help ourselves, of course, by thinking on how we can praise rather than just on the problem. And uh, that helps us uh, to sometimes be praying um, those prayers that kind of start off, Lord, you are, rather than Lord, I want. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's important that we have that, that right balance. If all our prayer is, Lord, I want this, I want that, I want this change, I want this release, I want whatever. Yeah, there's no harm in that, prayers of petition like that, declaring, being open to what we want before God, but actually help ourselves if we also pray, Lord, you are wonderful, Lord, you are almighty, Lord, you are uh, considerate of my position, so that we're actually mingling that in as a very, very important thing. And God will work out his purpose through those seasons. Uh, to help us kind of get into this a little bit, uh, I think we have a little sketch. <coughs> oh, if only we could skip the bits that we didn't like. Uh, and just go straight through to the awards party or whatever it was called. But, of course, that, that isn't possible. Uh, you know, embracing the process is not about whether we like it or not. It's about seeing what God's uh, doing for us. So we have to be ready uh, for the season and submit to the... Uh, Pay the price, the sacrifice. So let's, we'll use some Bible stories to help us identify with different seasons. Now, these may be, this may help you in terms of uh, an ability to identify a season, or there may be other things, and we're obviously not going to be able to cover everything. What I've already said to you, and what I'm going to just repeat, is you will access this rather than just have to sit and listen to it if you're saying, Lord, show me the season. And Lord, in this season, show me the sacrifice. Because we're really wanting to look at the sacrifice of the season. What it is that we can do. 1 Chronicles chapter 12, and listing David's mighty men and quite an impressive bunch they were, spoke about the men of Issachar, who understood the seasons, who were kind of tuned in to where they were, what was happening at that time. Very, very important. And as you look through, and many of you know these stories, I'm just going to sort of touch on them, but as you look through, you think of, um, think of uh, in Daniel, the guys that were in Daniel chapter 3, that chose not to... Um, bow down to the idol. And basically, 
they'd understood, it had been made very clear to them that they were going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And their position was, uh, in that particular season, well, maybe God will save us and maybe he won't, sort of thing. Uh, they had no sort of guarantee, no sort of written uh, certificate of, of promise other than what they believed in God himself. They were facing an extremely critical and difficult situation. Now, the truth of the matter is, thankfully, we don't face those every day of our lives. But we have to be ready in those times to be making the sacrifice that is necessary in order to do that. And of course we know that they came through the fire, uh, they looked and there was uh, a fourth person walking with them uh, in this fiery furnace that was made so hot that the people that threw them in uh, died. And the fourth was like, they said in the scripture, like the Son of God. God was with them in it and through it. A very bleak place, no certain outcome. What's that like? Well, I'm going to draw on one or two sort of things I remember from the past of what that's like. For some of you, you already know. For some of you, it's of interest to see something of the pathway we've come upon. When we started out, uh, we were very committed to what God was saying in terms of the um, building on the foundation of apostles and prophets. And there came a time when we found ourselves uh, unable to to fulfill that. And uh, there were various meetings. And basically, we believed that we could no longer follow uh, the instructions of the apostolic oversight because it was an issue of righteousness uh, regarding one of the people concerned. They thought that we had entered into rebellion. So you've got two opposing views. The uncertain future, of course it wasn't a fiery furnace, but it was very, very critical because everything that we believed was was that it's built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. And when the point came, when because of this issue of what we considered righteousness, we could no longer go and we were kicked out of that particular uh, relationship. I suppose it's true to say we thought that we would no longer exist. Uh, and that was, uh, I think, in 1981. So, obviously, we have continued to exist. Uh, we had no idea no idea what was going to happen. Everything that we believed was kind of removed. And what could we do at that time but to stand for what we felt was right? And I'm glad to say that subsequently um, the people concerned came to see things uh, very differently, in fact turned from their position many years afterwards 
and those things were, were corrected. And uh, it was seen that we were going to be, going to be um, justified in taking that step. What was, what was the response? What was the sacrifice? The sacrifice was, I suppose, being prepared to lay down everything on the basis of doing what we thought was right, not on what was going to work. Uh, I remember um, my uh, brother-in-law was with us then. He was working. I was being supported and he said to me, because it looked as though we were going to be completely wiped out. I always remember he said to me, um, we're committed, and if that happens, on the day that it happens, half of my income becomes yours. Half of my salary is yours. We will, we will walk through this together. We will stand in righteousness together. And that has always struck me as being an expression of what we really mean when we talk about committed together for righteousness' sake. So that's one season, a big crisis, don't know what's going to happen, the outcome, what can we do? But to commit to what we know to be right and surrender to him and leave the outcome to him. I'm not really going to go into this, but that would be, let's say, the right response, that would be the sacrifice, the willingness to sacrifice of ourselves, our position, uh, in favour of that which was right. What would have been a bad response? Hmm. I'll leave you to think about that. Anything contrary to that? And look at the time. Here's the season. Season of storm. Uh, storm in the, on the lake in uh, Matthew Chapter 8. And remember, Jesus is asleep in the boat, and the disciples are uh, really uh, fishermen used to the lake. They're, they're in a, getting pretty sort of steamed up and in a panic about the whole situation, and eventually uh, wake him up. And, uh, and then, of course, if you remember, he stands and speaks to the storm and calms the storm. Most amazing thing. I would, have been, I would have liked to have been there for that bit. You know, the bit when he's calmed the storm, when he actually does it. The bit before, don't sound too comfortable to me. I, I think, you know, that's not where I would have been. Uh, no. Um, I, I think uh, when I was thinking about this, I thought of a wrong response. Uh, You've probably heard us tell the story of when uh, Mark McGrath and his family and uh, our family were taking a holiday together. And uh, at various times we tried to kind of reduce the world population, particularly focused on our own children, losing them or what have you. On this occasion we were on a, a, a big lake uh, in the North of America and... Uh, we'd hired one of these, what they call pontoon boats. It was a pontoon thing with, a, with two great big, uh, really significant outboard motors on. And uh, so we were on our way back. We were getting back a bit late, so we were kind of moving along fairly quickly. And the kids, three of mine, three of his, at that count, I think, anyway, uh, 
they were really enjoying it. They were sitting right on the front beyond where the bit where they should have been getting the spray. Now, I have to say this. If any of you parents were to do that now, I would rebuke you most strongly. Uh, that's not what parents should do. It's totally irresponsible. Uh, I understand that now, but there was a few things I didn't understand then. And then uh, we hit the wake of, a, of another boat, and uh, instead of riding over it, it the, the boat sort of tipped into it. And uh, this, he was kind of trying to actually go along partly underwater, which he wasn't designed to do. And this water came sort of washing down the length of the pontoon boat. And the, the wrong reaction was this. Um, it actually came from, I think it was Jamie who said it, but he said, oh, I thought it was all a great adventure. Till I saw my dad's face. When I saw the alarm and the fear and the panic in his face, losing children and picnic stuff as well, you know. So wrong response is the kind of fear uh, in the crisis, and we saw that really with the, in the story with the disciples. Right response? Well, somebody said a while ago, if you don't learn to sleep in the storm, there's no way you're going to be able to command the waves and the wind to come and be still. There's a place before we come into that place of, of exercising authority, we have to learn to be at rest in him. Learning in that crisis to be at rest. We, uh, in the early days of Lifeline Community Projects, uh, we took a decision. We were wisely told that if we didn't... Uh, confront the prevailing systems, asked awkward questions. If we kept small and we just took the crumbs that were offered to us, we would not have a problem. If we started, and of course part of what God had given us to do was to say, to show something that was fundamentally different to what was currently existing. If we started to question what was going on, question why unempowered would stay unempowered in spite of all the monies that were flowing, then we would be, uh, we'd find ourselves in problems. And we decided that that was our role. And so we, we questioned and we um, began to raise queries and concerns. And we suddenly found that exactly as we've been told, sort of everything descended upon us. There was a real storm. And... Uh, we got contracts cancelled and thrown off of committees and barred from this and so on and so forth. And at that time, uh, the word of the Lord was that we should do nothing, uh, take no action, um, not try and fix it, uh, but to be at rest. And of course, many of you know that within the course of about 18 months, uh, we were in a place to be able to uh, sub business to people that had sought to uh, destroy us and wipe us out in that time. What did we learn? What was the stage? What was it that, that 
God was showing us at that time. Essentially, uh, that in that crisis, to learn to rest. Uh, that wasn't my first response. My first response, okay, uh, they, let's get into the terms of the contract, let's get the lawyers onto it, let's deal with that, let's go into the committee, let's confront that. I had a number of thoughts and ideas about what we would do until God said, do nothing. And there was a place in that season of storm, in that season of that particular crisis, to actually just be at rest and leave it in God's hands. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The idea of standing still uh, can be very important. When I'm saying standing still, I'm talking about those times of refreshing. The thing that Jesus, when he walked this earth, seemed to gain so often by his visits to Bethany, that time of rest, that time of refreshing. And that's a season. It's not wrong. There are seasons where times are refreshing, times when we're enjoying being built up, times when we enjoy his presence. Something very, very important. A season where we need refreshing. That's a season when we do actually need to be willing to turn aside from frenetic activity or whatever else is getting in the way in order to give priority to the first thing. You remember, like Jesus, in fact, had to teach uh, Mary and uh, Martha, or particularly Martha, uh, that there was something, uh, an important thing, to turn aside and come aside from in order <clears throat> that they may benefit from the reality of his presence. So my question here would be, have you had a good time in the presence of God recently? I'm not just talking about in the meeting. Have you had that recent sense of something inexplicable welling up inside? You want to call it joy? Yep, peace, yeah. It goes beyond that. It's the realisation. It's something that goes beyond a, a, a mental thing. You're just knowing that you're there enjoying the presence of God himself. Very important in those seasons that we give time to that, um, that we're entering in with a thanksgiving and enjoying what he wants. Then we look at some other things. Um, we're looking at the story. Remember um, David? That's a season going to fight Goliath. Um, and when he goes to find, fight Goliath, do you remember some of the opposition, uh, even from his own family and people that were kind of despising him and looking down on him and uh, in the course of responding to that he says something which uh, is kind of sort of slips it in you know when a lion or a bear came to steal the sheep I kind of dealt with it uh, and he was just a boy out in the fields and there was a there a season for him uh, before he ever came to fight the giant there was a season of kind of preparation a season of standing up and doing um, being responsible to do the job that he'd been given to do in a proper way I guess I don't know I mean was his father going out and counting that all the sheep should be there 
I kind of don't get the impression his father even forgotten that he'd existed uh, when the prophet came. So I, I somehow don't feel that there was a kind of, <clears throat> uh, uh, like an internal audit of uh, the number of sheep. I think he, he could have got away with, uh, you know, man, we have a few sheep, you know, one or two go missing. You know, who wants to get involved with a bear or a lion for the sake of a sheep? Come on, let's, let's, let's be real about this. There's a, a lot of scenarios that could have uh, answered that particular situation. You know, I might go after a sheep and uh, might end up as the bear's dinner or something like that. You know, you could understand that. There would have been a lot of reasons for non-action. But you see, the nature of that stage, the nature of that stage was preparing him for that which was to come, and he didn't know what was to come. All he knew was that he had to do what was given to him at that time. And God knew that in prepare, in doing that, he would be preparing him for the things which were to come in the future. It's important that we, we don't dismiss those times of, of preparation. And I was telling somebody the other day, um, in my background, once God brought me to himself uh, and... My peers then were doing what you did when you were in the Pentecostal church. If you're keen for God, um, when you got to the kind of age I was, and that's what my peers were doing, you go off to a Bible college, and then, amazingly, you come out of that Bible college and you're a pastor, and you're given a church to lead. I know it's farcical, but that's, that was the system. And that's what I wanted, uh, together with the fact that I was working with an evangelist and he was, he was lining up, he got a church lined up for me and they were going to release me to do these crusades with him and, and so on and so forth. And I sought God. Lord, here I am, stockbroking, helping rich people to get richer and here's all my friends and they'd invite me to go preach in their church and so on and so forth and it didn't help because that was really what I wanted. And God just said one thing to me, one word. I mean, God's got a lot of words, but he'd only got one for me in all that time. And he just so faithfully repeated it. And the word was preparation. 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 Preparing. I don't know. I don't need to know. All I know was that he'd given me something to do. I had to submit to the season. I couldn't go off and do my own thing. I had to deny myself, sacrifice to the season. And then, of course, uh, gave me opportunities. Uh, I got this great opportunity to be assistant to the senior partner. And they gave me uh, some advice. Uh, They said, uh, he's a, a real kind of blustering, kind of aggressive character. All you need to do is hear what he says first time and do it. Don't question, don't, don't, argue, don't, don't hesitate, just do it. So, uh, okay, I got that, we did that for a while. And then the day came when uh, he had a call from a client that he didn't want to speak to and he said... Uh, 
oh, uh, tell her I'm not here. Hmm. Preparation. Tell her I'm not here. I thought, okay. So here we go. I thought, this is the end of this great opportunity. Now I had to speak to him and say, no, I can't do that. Can't lie like that. Because manifestly, you are here. Uh, preparation. Preparation. Never said a word. All the bluster seemed to kind of just, just a silence. And months and months afterwards, there was a, a big division in the partnership. And I was by that time involved with, with partners on both sides. And they called me and they said, we want you to come and say exactly what happened in this situation. Uh, because we know that you will only tell the truth. So I de devised from that 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 was preparation for something that was going to be much more um, obvious in the future. And clearly, the word had gone round. Although he never said a word to me, the word had gone round and it had been told. You see, David had that preparation. And the preparation was for when he would then fight other battles, and Goliath was probably just another one on the way. Of course, then he had a big audience. It was a very dramatic sort of thing. Uh, where he was actually called to do, to make a stand, and to do it, and the right response there uh, was with humility uh, and with uh, a sense of uh, being definite about what he was about and about the purpose. Um, that sense of all that the whole world may know, that there is a God in Israel, being focused on that, something very important. Now let's look at another one. How are we doing? Let's see, we've looked at crisis situations, being at rest in the storm, the importance of the refreshing season, the preparation season, uh, the season of great drama, uh, of, of visibility. How about this one? Remember Gideon? Going to fight on the Lord's behalf. Got this big army. And in Judges chapter 7, he takes them and says, I'm going to do some sifting for you. Uh, that's always slightly ominous. And God says, I'm going to do some sifting. Uh, I'm going to change the, the shape of this. That was a, a season of, um, of reducing, a stage of sifting. And, uh, of course, those of you who remember the story know that with that small number, that hugely reduced number of people that God selected to be part of that army, of course, God gave him a victory, an amazing victory in the battle. Very, very key. Time of sifting. Time of reducing. We had that happen. Time of sifting. And uh, that was not a comfortable time. That was a painful time. Again, a good many years ago now, when there were people leaders amongst us who decided they wanted to kind of do something different, didn't want to be stay to be part of and uh, yeah that, that was I don't know that sifting is necessarily a comfortable thing 
don't know that it's a process that I would actually sort of rush towards. But again, in that time, <clears throat> when a lot of people decided to, to go, time of sifting, key thing that we learned, the sacrifice that we learned was not to respond according to what we felt, but to be responding according to what God wanted. Those of you that were around at that time would remember how we um, asked those that were leading to come back and um, prayed for them and released them and, uh, so that they would pursue according to what they felt. Uh, chose uh, where things unnecessary had been said. We weren't going to get into that. We were going to basically uh, forgive uh, things which were wrong and move forward. And from that day... Um, we, we never really looked back because God's hand was upon us. A time of sifting, a time of wondering what was going to happen. I did. I wondered what was going to happen. I was conscious of the commitments that we'd made. Uh, commitments that at that time we'd made uh, in Sierra Leone. How we were going to meet those commitments. And we did what God gave us to do. And uh, in the week following this, God chose to pour all the money that was necessary into us in a most remarkable way. And I felt God say, you know, if you submit to my season, if you sacrifice, not the basis of what you want or how you feel or what you want to react or respond to. Just see what I can do. And God sovereignly intervenes and we move on in his purpose. The right response there was taking the right attitude. Let's take one more. What about uh, the story of the Good Samaritan? There's this guy. He's going down in a... Um, there's two sides to this. He's in a very difficult place. Uh, Luke chapter 10. And... Uh, gets attacked in this story. And uh, then the other side of it, of course, uh, so one's the season of, of great personal attack, uh, pain, uh, loss. The other side of it, of course, is the Samaritan being prepared to risk his life uh, to serve and help. So there's two seasons coming together. And that's a very interesting thing. Because you can be in one season, kind of going, uh, going through it, and somebody else can be connected with you in a completely different season uh, with that opportunity to serve and nurture and care for. And the two things come together in the outworking of the purpose of God. Difficult place. And uh, we see, you remember the story, the, the uh, Good Samaritan comes along, the... the the priests, uh, they go past, the priests and the Levite, they just look and go past, which, which of course, religion never works. L let me just say that as a very certain sound, because we're living in a, in a, a time when the idea of uh, looking responsibly at, at, and... Uh, uh, with some measure of acceptance that other religions seems to be popular. 
There is no religion that works, including Christianity as a religion. It doesn't work. The, the priests in this could not do what was necessary. I'll tell you why. Because no religion can reconcile man to God. Only Jesus can do that. He's the only one who has been empowered with doing that. So let us be very clear. We might be loving, we might be uh, open, but let's be very clear that we're never ever going to say, you know, something like, well, of course, we've all got the same goal in mind or something like that. All religions are a complete and utter waste of time because they're about trying to get to God. God already came to us through Jesus. Only Jesus can reconcile man to God. So the priest passed by, and the good Samaritan comes, and uh, he revives, you know, remember pours in wine and oil and revives, the guy puts him on his donkey and takes takes him to an inn, takes him to a place. Kind of like, it's like taking him to the body of Christ, takes him to that corporate place, uh, because whilst he was revived, he still needs to be restored. Uh, there was opportunities to, to serve in that way as well. There was the immediate uh, intervention that the Samaritan made, but there was the longer-term care and support and sustenance that was given. And, of course, he took care of that as well. Uh, he gave uh, the money to pay, and he said, I'm, when I'm coming back, if there's anything more, I'm going to take care of the whole thing. What is that? It, it was Jesus telling this story to show how in the different seasons there can be sacrifice. It was his money. He didn't, he didn't sort of nick it from someone. It, he was actually giving his money. It was his oil. It was his wine. It was his donkey. He was giving those things as part of his commitment in that situation. And it's... It's as that story unfolds and we see that this is really uh, an answer to the question, what does it mean to love one another? Uh, And it's spelled out very clearly in in a very clear picture in that way. And we see that the sacrifice in that is and the, the, the right response is simply it takes time, it takes energy, it takes resources. And... uh, Let's finish with one. Um, I was thinking about this. It came to me um, when Paul, uh, when Saul on the road to Damascus, you remember he saw this great light and he was blinded. This is the guy that had been leading these bands of people all all around the place, um, attacking and dealing with Christians and so on and so forth. And now he's in a situation where he himself has to be has to be led. Uh, A complete change of season. The nature of this season, the nature of this was that he he has to trust and and submit um, to somebody else. And uh, I kind of learned a bit about that last year when uh, I was immobile and couldn't drive and had to uh, be driven um, often by one who would normally be my passenger. Uh, And it wasn't a good idea that I gave instruction to my driver as... (laughs) Oh, Lord, yes. That was a season 
It was a stage. The response had to be with gratitude. <laughs> no, I was grateful. And uh, I was even more grateful when I could drive myself. <laughs> so, yes. I was very grateful. I'll be careful how I say this. For the mobility that was afforded by being uh, able to be wheeled around. Um, in spite of the fact that it was at times Nathan that was wheeling me. What do you do? when you're in the middle of a crowded place, in a wheelchair, and you can't move, and your son is saying, you all right? <laughs> Do you need anything? <laughs> and everybody's look, looking round, think, what's going on here? Oh. Trust. Let others lead you. See, let, let me just say on this. There's a difference. Listen get very carefully. There's a difference between obeying the rule and seeing the rightness and embracing something yourself. You see, in the kingdom of God, we are looking for people because we talk about a grace message. God empowers us to be able to see the rightness of something and choose to go in that direction. Rather than saying, well, this is what I'm told, this is what I've got to do. That's a different thing. That, that, that because then you get into a kind of uh, redesigned form of legalism. See, God wants us to be a people that embrace something and the rightness of it and choose to actually go that way. Choosing to submit to truth. It has to be from the heart. And trusting others to lead. So, here's my question. What season are you in? Are you asking God that? And what is the sacrifice of the season. What is the sacrifice that you could make in order to properly embrace this season and get out of it everything that God intends in bringing you into it? Understand that it's a season. Understand that it had a beginning and it will have an end. Understand that that's life. It has a beginning, we move through, it has an end. But we can sit and wait for the end of that season in the hope that the next season will be better. But if we don't embrace what God has got for us and embrace the sacrifice in that season where we are, we miss what he's actually forming and planning and doing for our development to become more like him. The sacrifice of the season. We know he's passing through. Isaiah 43 says, When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, through the fire, I will be with you. 
We know that we had a supernatural beginning. We're born again of the Spirit of God. We're born again of incorruptible seed. God did something that caused us to be alive unto him. It's a miracle. He changed us. Once we were in darkness, then we're in light. Once we were dead and they pulled the switch and we're in life, we're able to relate to Almighty God. That's a supernatural beginning. We know that God is with us. We know that we have a a certain end, a certain conclusion. You see, we're not just people of the season, we're people of the finish. We actually are a people that are destined to come into the fullness of what God has. To completion, to maturity. You find it in John 17, James 1, Hebrews 6 always talking about coming to completion, coming to maturity. We're not just people that are travelling, not just people passing through seasons. We're people that have a particular goal, have a promise before us. Psalm 84 says about standing before God in Zion, that unfettered entry into the totality of his presence. What sacrifice will you make? Psalmist, Psalm 27 says, I, I'd fainted unless I believed to see the hand of God in the land of the living. You know, if we get focused on the situation of the season and not on what God is doing, that's a very dark place. That's a very uncomfortable place. That is not a good place. We get focused on Lord What is your will? What is your purpose? What are you doing in this time? Sacrifice. See, let me just mention quickly about sacrifice. You know the days of uh, sacrificing uh, the blood of bulls and goats, all that got wiped away with the new covenant. But do you know that in order to enter in on the purpose of God... It's about, if John the Baptist said, our decrease and his increase. You know that if any man will come after me, let him to deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That's the sacrifice. The primary sacrifice, I know it can be expressed in giving and caring and serving and those are all good things. But it all stems back to the essence of being prepared to deny ourselves and focus on him and what he's doing. That's the sacrifice that he wants. So, have you come up with any bad responses? I've tried to give you some good responses. But in a season, is there a response that you've made or are making that maybe needs to be adjusted? What is the sacrifice of the season that God requires from you, otherwise spoken as denying yourself. It's interesting because we're in a very different season as a company of God's people. There's a a very real, and he spoke to us before it happened, but a very real season change uh, for this particular expression of the body of Christ. I know God has said through his word that about DNA change, about this is a season which is spring. It's a time of 
increased visibility. I always knew, and I've said to many of you, we don't ever need to be concerned about issues of visibility. I know we're not very good at all that kind of presentation and communication, but at any moment, of God's choosing, he could just draw back the curtain and cause visibility to be significant in his purpose. And that's the only place we want it. God's doing that in these days. It's interesting. Um, we have for a long time, particularly in LCP, we've had... Um, various contracts and things like that. You get money in and then you basically spend it in delivering. That's a different season. Yeah, there's some of that going on. But now God is bringing us to a point of actually sowing what we've got. Not, not stuff coming in, but sowing what we've got. And that will be here. Of course, it also extends to what we're committed to doing in other places as well. In fact, keep it quiet, but I realise we've sown quite a lot more than we've actually got in terms of some of the overseas stuff, but don't let anybody know, all right? Let them find out in due course. That's part of the fun. Live dangerously, as long as it's in God. Times where, look at the take-up that we're seeing at the moment on things like crossroads. Look at the... The, the way, yeah, stuff happening, guys. Look at the different things going on in the hub. Look at how many people are volunteering. Look at all the things. I mean, PJ just touched on a bit of it this morning. The, the issue of visibility, the involvement that we have and are expecting to have in places like Sierra Leone. It's a changing season. In fact... I think it's something to be thankful for. I think it's something that we could, you know what we say when we see it raining, pray for rain. When we see God doing something, we want to actually pray that in. And uh, when we see this is a, a time for, for stepping out, a time for development, time for expansion. I think we could do it. Not with, oh, I think we've got to do, I think we need to try something else. We need to, no, come on. It's got to be with a sense of, of, of springing our step of the ability to say, this is God's time. God's time to reach out in all that he's purposing and all that he's speaking about. So that's kind of corporately, but you, oh, no, man, I don't want anybody to be left out. So back to the question. What's the season you are personally in? In that God has set his love upon you. Personally, God is developing you. You are in a particular season. What is that season? Have you identified it? And what is it that God wants of you in sacrifice for that season?